I'm not panicking. I'm not quickly changing my mind. I have such great connection to me as a, as a human being. And the foundation of that is because I've stopped telling lies to myself and to the world. Welcome to your Badass Journey podcast. This is Kareen Walsh, your business and life growth strategist, serial entrepreneur, transformational speaker, and author. Each week, I share my practices, tools, methods, and conversations with badasses I know will help you align what you love with what you do. I believe living a badass life means consistently willing to learn something new, put it into action, and periodically assess what you need to shine a light on to celebrate or let go in order to be the best version of yourself from this point forward. Life is too short for mediocre compromises. Let's help you make it a badass one. Welcome, everybody, to your Badass Journey podcast. Today, I have Stefanos Simpandos on today's episode. Stefanos facilitates transformational growth through neuro-empowerment practices, an integration of spiritual and Western psychology to improve and enhance the quality of your relationships. Now, why would I have Stefanos on my podcast for you all to benefit from how deep this man could go because his journey is so badass in that it's all about self-awareness, the willingness to be open, vulnerable, connected, powerful, and free in everything that he does with whoever he has uh, energy exchange with. Now, it may seem a little woo-woo to you to jump into this conversation with me, but I'll tell you that he and I can dialogue for days, and I know you're going to walk away with value from this conversation. Stefanos can be found at reclaimyourkingdom.com or his personal website, which we'll put in the show notes. But I guarantee you're going to want to contact him and see what he is about after you listen to this episode. We really appreciate you when you are able to download and review the episodes, but most of all, share this. Share it with someone who you know could benefit from understanding more about masculine energy, the feminine masculine exchange, how it shows up in your business and personal lives in order to create a truthful impact of who you're meant to be in this world. I hope you enjoy today's conversation as much as I did. Welcome, Stephanos. Thank you, Corinne. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm super excited. Now, before we jump in, because I want to know the origin of your name, yes. is it Greek? Yes, it's most of my father's Greek, my mother's Italian. And just for uh, trivia, I did the genetic testing, and a large portion of my genetic testing is uh, Middle East. Hell yeah, let's start belly dancing, dude. <laughs> let's start swimming. <laughs> Oh, you and I in a dance floor? Yeah, that would be <laughs> between the Greek and the Middle Eastern background. I love it. Well, I'm, I'm super excited to have you on today's show because, you know, I love to, to share 
different badass journeys with my listeners because it's meant to be a place for inspiration, motivation, and drive to go after what you really want out of life, to align what you love with what you do. And I would love for you, as we kick off this episode, to share you know, your journey on how you got to where you are today and explain to folks your current focus as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Where I am, I'll start here and then go back and then come back to here. So where I am today is a continual evolution of, of where I'll, I'll just grow into and expand into. And, and so the only reason I can say that from where I am right now in that I'm so deeply grateful for where I am today and I also know it's part of something greater and, and not, not that there's, no, there's not greatness here, there absolutely is, and there's just continual expansion. And so I come back to the only way I can, I can actually be in this place of expansion and growth is because of my own personal experiences and more importantly, how I've interpreted those experiences and what I've done with them. And I'm no different to anyone else. Uh, and I love that about us as human beings, as sentient beings. We have this, this intimate connection that if we leverage that union, that connection that we have, we can grow very rapidly and we need not always learn the hard way. And so for me, I was a little bit stubborn, con- consciously and unconsciously, a lot stubborn actually in my younger days. And so whilst it was... It was, a, it was tokenistic for me to say, yes, I want to learn from you. I want to learn from this teacher. I want to learn from this master. I want to read this book. I'm going to spend time with this amazing human being. I had an Ayurvedic practitioner, Vaidin, that I spent a great deal of time with and I learned so much with him. And if I was more receptive, I could have learned even more and grown even more. And for me, it was, it's like I just had to learn the hard way. I had to learn through pain and moving through my fears and just really difficult times that I experienced and scattered there intermittently with some, some really great times and some great moments of recognition and of self-recognition and some great moments of, wow, like I've actually come this far and some great moments of reprieve as well. And those moments became more and more once I started doing deeper work. And so I'm a big believer of our outward success or our outward manifestations as a result of the inner work that we do and the inner attention that we pay on ourselves. And so for me, I... I'll give you a bit of a brief. I, I grew up in, in, a, in a difficult environment. My family environment was difficult. Was, there was violence, there was physical abuse, there was emotional abuse. And, and to be honest, that's not very different to, to most old school European families. And so I'm definitely, like I said, I'm not, I'm not this, this outlier here. It, it's, it's that what I did was that it was an interesting journey for me because I internalized a lot of that. And, and for the first few years of my life, 10, 15 years, 16, 17 years of my life, I was very, and I still am an introvert by the way, but I was very introverted and very withdrawn and very passive and very scared because my experiences were anytime I would express myself, I would be judged and critiqued for it or even reprimanded for it. And so I learned how to adjust and survive in my environment. And I took that, those traits and I brought them into my adult life in different expressions. And so, the first, as I said, the first few years of my life was uh, very passive, very withdrawn. And I became so frustrated with that. I was like, internally, I was about to combust. And so I actually did. 
And what happened was I, I moved into, I was overweight as a child. I, you know, uh, Demartini says our greatest voice become our greatest values. And so I, I wasn't healthy as a kid, really. I was okay, but I wasn't super healthy, overweight, always on the outskirts. And so I, I made health a priority in my life. I, I wasn't able to express, so I made sure that I could express. And unfortunately, I did it in in an unhealthy way. I, I took what culture and society said men had to be or could be and what, hey, men were, men were men, boys will be boys, and I became violent. And so I became, I, I started studying martial arts a lot more. I, but I, I, it wasn't just this inward compassionate practice of understanding the body, mind, heart, spiritual connection. It was more, I want to do this to hurt people because I was so hurt. And so it was weekends and alcohol and, and fighting every weekend and, and just, it was just crazy and aggression. I was, I was angry and always frustrated and I could never understand why because I wasn't choosing to look at that stuff. And so intellectually, I'd always immerse myself in, in, I was very book smart and I was very street smart, but I wasn't emotively intelligent. I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't, really connect to what was going on in here in, an health, in a healthy way that allowed me to, to have more, more clarity and abundance and flow and consistency in my life. I was so inconsistent because I was so inconsistent within myself. I was living in the shadows. And, and so for me, I took all of that confusion and all of that, that muck and that clutter that I had in my mind and I didn't really do anything constructive or healthy with it. I either internalized it I lived in the shadows or I was really hyper-aggressive. And so even in my intimate relationships, I was unfaithful in most of those relationships. I thought that was the norm. I thought that's what men do. I was just so distorted in my ideologies. And so it wasn't until I really looked at all that stuff and it came to a head when a relationship I was in a few years ago that I, I was unfaithful in that relationship. And she discovered that. I didn't even have the courage to tell her. And I was thinking about telling her and I didn't have the courage to tell her. And she found out, and, and, and that to see and observe the pain that was in her face, that was in, that was in the relationship then after that, and what, what actually unraveled was very, very confronting for me. And I started to look at every area of my life. I was looking at my business while my business was like I had a build burn mentality with my businesses. I was inconsistent. I was consistently changing my mind. I was never, I was never certain on anything. I didn't have clarity. I wasn't confident in my expression. And I masked all that with, outward facade and, and aggressiveness. And when that came to a head, I began to look at every area of my life. Like I said, my career, my vocation, my inner self, my, my relationship, my relationship to myself, my spirituality, my own personal practices, my health and wellness, the relationship I had to health and wellness, because I was very extreme in that as well. I would, I would go and do silly things. I will call them silly things, but just extreme expressions in sport and in athletics. To, to Two reasons. One, I did it to forget. I did it to forget the, the pain that was brewing inside me that was unconscious that I could feel, but I didn't, want to, I, didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to look at it. And the other reason was to prove to myself that and to prove to the world that, hey, I'm really tough. And so there was this complete facade and the reasons were, were really misaligned. And so that was a major catalyst for me and a turning point. I looked at every area of my life. I got very real and I stopped telling myself lies. And as men, we're very good at telling our, and this is people in general, but we're very good at telling ourselves lies. And so... I, I began the journey of stepping into truth, allowing truth to be a foundation for me to experience facts and then those facts for me to act in those facts. And then that led to freedom, that led to liberation. The truth never directly sets us free. There's always a process and a stage and stages that occur. 
And so that was the beginning of something amazing for me. And so just fast forward a little bit is I have now consistency. I have certainty. I have clarity. Does business always go great? No, it doesn't matter though. I know exactly what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And when I don't know what I'm doing, and even if I don't know why I'm doing it, I'm not panicking. I'm not quickly changing my mind. I have such great connection to me as a, as a human being. And the foundation of that is because I've stopped telling lies to myself and to the world. This is who I am. This is what I've been. This is what I've done. This is who I've been. This is where I'm going as far as I know. This is the ride that I'm on. And so that's a product of me getting very real with who I was because I, I'd, it, I just don't know where I'd be today, even if I'd be here. Right. If, if I, I was on, I was on a, I was on a downward spiral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But sounds like it was more like jumping off cliffs and then hoping or not even hoping, but if there was water underneath, great. And if yeah. it was rocks, great. Like it didn't matter. It was so high risk and high velocity, right? Yeah. Self-destructive. Yeah, that's... I mean, I really appreciate you sharing this. It's, it's, it's why, you know, I definitely wanted to have you on the show because I feel like we need to hear the extremes, mm. you know, like oh, it, yeah. extremes need to, to shine on, as you know, like I'm all about value-based work and also effectiveness, you know, mm. and for a while that behavior was effective for you to survive. Mm. Mm. Right? Like it's not that, and you didn't really know any different because that's what you were conformed to become, especially as a young age. I mean, to reframe childhood, uh, the way we conform as children in abusive situations, right? Mm. Like in the pain state and realizing you can survive through pain creates a whole different energy of yeah. how you show up in the world. So that's that was right. your truth. So to reframe your truth is, it sounds like, has what has happened in the last two years of the, the work you've done. Five years, yeah. Five yeah. years, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, the, the, the work's been deeper than that. It's just that it, was, it wasn't as deep and it was more superficial. And it was always start, stop, and I'd get to a very deep point and then I'd pull back because it was too intense and I was too afraid of the fear. And when I made the choice to not be afraid of the fear anymore and traverse that, yeah. and go all in and I committed to going all in. That was the beginning of certainty and commitment. Yeah. And you know, to go back to what you said around the reframing is that that's a really important point. And so many of us live in this, we live in this unconscious state. So much of the world that we see and experience, the way we behave, what we believe, it comes from unconscious drivers and unconscious uh, patterns of belief and models of reality and so forth. And so when we bring that to light, we, we empower ourselves to make conscious choices, aware choices of who we want to be and how we want to express in the world. And so I wasn't doing that. And you're absolutely right. Those coping strategies, they were maladaptive as an adult, but they weren't maladaptive as a child. They helped me as a child. And that's why we hang on to things so much because the, the, the primal brain says, whoa, 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 that helped us when we were about to die. Don't let that shit go. Hold on to that. That's real. And so we bring that into adult relationships and it, it, it's not needed, but to the journey through that, that's the, that's the unraveling of self, the ego death, the, the contemplation of suicide for many of us. I was there at that, at that place, the questioning of my own masculinity. I mean, I still question my masculinity now, not from a place of deficit, from a place of, wow, what can I create in the world as a man in contemporary times? So that's a very different question. But back then it was, oh, am I a man? Am I human? What does this even mean? 
Right. Yeah. And it's the, it's the absorption of all the elements coming at us, but then getting like in touch with that core innate spiritual being that we each come into the world with mm-hmm. and reconnecting with, oh, no, no, this is me. This is my truth right now. And I love that what, you know, in the beginning of you sharing your journey is like, it's about evolution. Like who you are today is an opening into what's next. And you're taking these amazing building blocks through your journey of self-discovery, really, and self-definition and what certainty means to you right now, because you're going to come across variety and uncertainty as we go through the world. That's just how life is. And finding that strength to say, is this true to me? And is this true to me right now? Does this change that story? And, you know, it's, it's a really high level of consciousness, you know, to get to that point. And I'm curious with the work you do today and, you know, how you now create these environments and you create these trainings and, and these methods of connection to share uh, your journey, but also how to help others do the same. Tell us a little bit about, you know, that construct. And the purpose behind how you're now leveraging your learning paths into what you provide um, in your business and you know in your talks and and how you go and speak out into the world um, for that transformation. Mm. So for me, it was a very it was a deeply embedded personal practice, and so it began with my relationship to my own sexuality. And what I mean by that was, as I mentioned earlier, I was unfaithful in my relationships, and so. I wasn't treating my sexual energy. When I'm talking about sexuality, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about my, uh, uh, my sexual preferences. I'm talking about uh, whether I'm heterosexuality, homosexuality, etc. I'm talking about how I was dispersing, giving and receiving sexual energy as a life force, as a, as a modality of communication. And so when I began to really tighten that up, and I began to become, I, bega- I became selective with who I spent my time with. Neuroscience demonstrates today every person we meet, every person we meet impacts us for the rest of our lives at a neuronal level, potentially a hormonal level as well. But at, 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 an, at, a, at a physiological level, we are impacted and imprinted with every single person, every experience we have. And so I was so blase, I was so reckless with who I was spending my time with and what I was doing and being the world, what I was saying, what I was exposing myself to. Uh, it just, once I began to really tighten that up, and this is, this is important, maybe people are thinking, where is this even going? How does this lead to programs and development? But I'm, ge- I'm going to get there. And so I began to tighten that up and really bring that to, inward to me. And I was very selective with who I spent my time with, how I expressed in the world, what I was receiving in the world. And I brought that in myself and I became, it was, it was, a, it was an explosive creative energy and, and not to share too much, but I also, I practiced celibacy for a period of time as well. And, and I, would, I was practicing that for a long, since I was 19, I was practicing intentionally, but it wasn't, it just wasn't a substance because of how scattered I was. Now for the first time in my life, I had this clarity, I had this cloudiness had gone and I was like, wow, I'm, I feel so empowered. And so all this creative energy started bubbling within me and I just started creating, literally, I started creating programs and information and I was researching more and I was hours every day. And that, that, was, the, that was fundamentally the beginning of what I created. So I, I had all these amazing experiences of revelation and change and insight and I wanted to share that with people. 
And I thought, if I can do this, then other people can do this. So how can I teach this? And so I developed, I began to develop models and frameworks and principles around certain areas of life and certain expressions of life. And I just gave this tremendous thought and attention. I spent in my, I, I, I cleaned up my study. I, I decluttered my house. Everything just changed. Everything has changed for me. And I started creating. And, and so I just put all the pieces together. The first step for me was I just want to create. I just want to express. I want to type or write. I want to create. I want to read. And I did that. And the next phase where I've got to get this out into the world, what do I do? So I started educating myself. And I still am. I'm a novice in this place. Still, I'm still learning so much. Um, and, and so... That for me was just step by step, step by step. But it began with cleaning up uh, me first, the internal self. Yeah, yeah that clarity um, is clear. It's super. It, it's clear in your stance today, knowing you today. You know how you show up is the willingness to offer all of you at its core, right? And and to be able to develop that skill set and show other people how to me that's a representation of your calling you mm-hmm. know and and really finding aligning alignment with a spiritual practice of sorts you know the connection to self but into a practical uh, understanding and acceptance through business you know mm-hmm. and and some people struggle with that you know some people struggle with and I know I did for years because mm-hmm. I I have a very similar um you know it, upbringing in that Conformed thought stopped me from living in my greatness for many yep. years, even though I was highly successful in business and I was highly what looked like from the outside fulfilled in life, right? Like the, the perception of what was going on seemed so much better than what was really happening within me. And it took that peeling of the onion, the delay, you know, to, to take away the layers and get to the core which then exponentially grew, grew my business because I was actually standing in self and in, in my divine connection, in what I bring to the table with my clients. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious when, when you, know, you started to put it out there, right? And you started to build your practice and you started to announce it to the world and welcome others in. Mm-hmm. You know, how did that feel in, from an exposure standpoint, from like a self you know, that self-spirit exposure, you know, it's a very vulnerable place mm. to be. Mm. And then also to get paid for it is like a whole nother level of understanding. So tell me a little bit about how you kind of disseminate that in, in your world. Mm. Initially, when I, when I got clear on the expression that I wanted to give to the world in terms of my service or my mentorship, guidance, coaching, whatever you want to, whatever label you wish to put around it. I was extremely nervous. There was self-doubt. I wasn't confident. There was a, the, the, the feeling of imposter syndrome. Like, And I'm qualified. Like I've got a degree in psychology. I've got qualifications in various mind-body modalities. I studied that from a very young age. As I said, I was studious when I was younger, although also rebellious, but it took me a few years. I traveled a lot and then I grounded. I said, oh, I want to go to university and learn a specific thing and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, you know, I have a master's degree. I, I, like, I was qualified. It wasn't, these weren't the issues, but the, 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 I'd come from living in lies. I'd come from living, from wearing so many different masks and to be so exposed, I, I really doubted myself and I continued, I persevered. I didn't let that stop me. I kept going. I kept going. I, I saw, I began to, I went through different stages of, 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 of the ego as well and getting super high when I had 
clients that I was working with that were doing really well and I was helping them and super low when they weren't doing very well and I wasn't able to help them. And I'm like, oh, is it me? I'm not, I'm worthless. I'm not good enough. And so I had to really let go of that attachment in both extremes or, or both, both ends of the spectrum because both are, are unhealthy. And so when I started doing that more and more, I started actually getting better results with the people that I was working with. I was coming from a more authentic place, a more non-attached place, and it was more about them than it was about me. And so there was still more ego, and there's always ego shedding. You know, there's, that's what that's that's the journey that we're on. That's how we learn and grow. And so the moment that started happening, I thought, okay, this is I'm, I feel more grounded now. I feel more at peace. I'm jacking up my prices, and I jacked up my prices. I doubled them immediately. Just I mean, I don't want to say overnight because. It, it sort of happened over, but it wasn't that long. It was a few months. And so I doubled them and I had more clients. Okay, cool. Stayed there for a while and developed a level of self-worth and, and connection to that. And then I began to look at expanding more again and, and really challenging myself and observing, okay, how am I going to feel if I put this price on there? And because it was very contextual for me as well. Back then I was a, a bigger fish in a smaller pond geographically where I was. Now I'm a I'm humbled again. I'm a small <laughs> fish in a very, very fucking big pond in California. You know, visiting and living here are two different things. And now that my base is here, it's like, and I'm surrounded by exceptional human beings. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm small fishing. Let's see how I respond to that. How do I react? And so is old childhood stuff coming up of uselessness or worthlessness or unworthiness? Uh, not too much, not really. Okay, check that. Let's keep moving. So there's this constant evaluation of self and I'm being asked to up-level again. Not so much only in terms of my prices or my service, but also how I show up to the world and in, in, in the detail of that expression as well. And, and so for me, it's always been in stages and I'm super impatient. And so whilst I've had enough willpower to allow it to be in, <laughs> in stages, the growth, <laughs> because we, when we acknowledge what we're experiencing, we fortify the value of that experience. So then we're able to move on to the next level with greater efficacy and, and also greater wisdom, greater level of, of understanding so we can actually expand greater in, the, in each stage. Right. And so for me, I'm still impatient now. It's just that the relationship to the impatience and to the growth it's a, a more compassionate. Whereas before it was like I had the willpower because my mind was very strong to not over overreach or go too quick or miss the important lesson of the stage or the teaching. I'd still stay in the stage, but I'd be hating on myself. Yeah. I'd be hating on myself. I'm like, oh, why can't I be fucking here? I'm not good enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm too slow. The program's not good enough. I don't have enough back end. I don't have enough. I was blaming everyone else but me, right? Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't taking responsibility. And so I was suffering in that. Now, I'm just more patient, I'm calmer, I'm more connected to the process. And in that, in that there's, there's such greater growth for me in terms of the quality of the work that I put out there, how I show up for people, and also the, the, the flow, like the, the monetary flow that comes in for what I'm producing, what I'm creating as well. Yeah, and you know, that, that flow connection, I would say cycles, right? Or mm-hmm. I don't even know what the right visual for it is. Like the, what, the visual that just came to mind was more of like the spiral around us, Mm. you know, because we, you know, similar to the energies that flow through our bodies, it's the same as the energy that, that we interact with every day, you know, and, and I know you, you're now living in California where comparison of gifts that we have 
against gifts of others. When there's a high vibration energy of all those gifts around us, it's very easy to then doubt, like, am I enough? And that not enough story, especially if it was ingrained at such a young age, can literally drive us or shut us down. And I love that you're trying to figure out that integration because the not enough story will always show up. It will always show up. It's something that we witness in order to decide how do we want to act next. And it's so great to hear that your cycles are smaller in the defeated or the aggressive mm. you know, reaction and you're actually finding flow with I'll, it. I'll, I'll share a story with you and I really appreciate what you said then. I'll, ju- I'll share it because it's super fresh this morning. So it, Christine and I were, were chatting and she's, she's just got a little bit of pressure on her at the moment. And she, long story short, she snapped at me. Now, instead of me, me, but it was the context of what she said. And it wasn't like, I mean, you sort of, if you know Christine, it's like her snap is not, it's not a bit, it's, it's not really it's a, a It's a nibble. <laughs> but it's outside, it's outside of, of her scope anyway. And so we're chatting and, and I snapped back immediately. Now, when I reflect on that, and, and we, we, we reconciled uh, almost immediately as well. We allowed the event to take place and we reconciled immediately, just as a side note, because that's very, that's very important. And we're getting better and better at that as well. It's re- it's re- I'm very happy with how, and, and so is she, we are very happy with how we communicate. Even if sometimes our communication can be harsh with each other, the way we reconcile is really beautiful. And that's something that I couldn't do as a younger person. Oof, forget about it. So... But I snapped at her. Now, the reason I snapped at her is because the context of what she was saying, I, I, my, it wasn't even me. It was my inner boy. My little inner boy took it personally saying, you're not enough and I need to do everything. And, and I, I slammed my computer, my, my laptop thing down, and, and I, I said to her, mind your attitude. I didn't say it like that. I said it quite harshly. And really, it was me that needed to be mindful of my attitude as well because I was reacting and it wasn't even me in the present form. It was that little boy that was reacting. And in, to be honest, the truth, the, the, the more complete truth of that has just arisen now in this conversation. As you were speaking, it, it triggered that in me. And I'm like, wow, like it's a beautiful revelation I've just had. Thank you, by the way, because you, you did that. Sure. <laughs> um, knowing one, knowingly. And, and that was because and, and, it always shows up. And, and, it's, and it's okay. It's how we deal with it. It's how we deal with it. It's the how is so important. Um, because we're human and it's okay to, we're going to learn from that. And that, that's, a, that's a massive learning thing for me because how we show up, you know that old adage, how we do anything is how we do everything. Yeah. So if I show up like that there, how am I going to show up in business when something goes wrong or if I'm triggered in business or if someone is threatening my, my sense of worth or, hey, you charge too much or, or hey, your program is shit. Like how am I going to respond to that? That's, that's the carryover there. And that's why I wanted to mention it because it's a real story. It happened literally a few hours ago. And it's and I'm still getting clarity as we speak now in real time. Right, right. It's epic. Yeah, no, beautiful because you know in my in my work when I when I work with leaders and people trying to put their best out there to understand your reactive state is so important in order to make sure that when you are having that value exchange with especially with the people you care about, whether it's in business relationships family, whatever that looks like. And you know, I'm all about that value exchange. Mm. It's like the understanding of the reactive space, it either hinders or fuels our creative space. And it's literally a modality I use as an assessment tool. So what you just brought up is when you're triggered, 
you tend to fall back into potentially a controlling reactive space. So there are three Absolutely. main categories, controlling, complying, or protecting. Yep. So we, we toggle between all three, but there's like a one that's like, when shit hits the fan, <laughs> this is what you lean into as your reactive space. Now, at certain times, depending on what's happening creatively around you, who you're interacting with, how the information comes in, it, it then triggers like the reaction in the moment and then the trickle effect, which is what you're dealing with right now. Yeah. The, yeah. Ripple, the ripple effect of understanding, look, Christina and I had this interaction. It didn't feel right in the moment, but I had to release it because it was still a true energy in your body. Right. Like, and if you didn't release it and you let it fester and then you went into complying versus controlling, who then shows up? Right. And so it's an amazing understanding and awareness, which I, which I love that we're dialoguing now because so many people don't take the time to pause and say, did I mean to react that way? Or was that a past version of me? Because I always talk about that too. We are just like our systems on our phones where we have different versions of us showing up every single day. (laughs) System upgrades, right? Right? And so today's version of you definitely is a higher operating system, for sure, because of all the knowledge, learning, functionality, you know, features, everything you've brought to the table from the past. But sometimes... If we allow it to. If we upgrade, if we choose to upgrade. Exactly. And then sometimes you can find a bug in version 1993, (laughs) whatever happened then, that trickles its head up because it just is still continuing to work through. And so I love that you're in that. Yeah. And I I really appreciate being in this space now because I never used to be like this. And the level of awareness I have now is so much more expanded than what it used to be. And I love... The, the protection, the control, the compliance, because to me that's similar to fight, flight, freeze. So the the, the control is is fight, for example. Um, the the protection is um, uh, the, the protection is uh, uh, flight, and the compliance is freeze, almost. You know, so yeah. uh, there's parallels drawn there to to how we behave at a primal level, and you know, we live in a world where we are actually a lot safer. We're safer than our five year old self that experienced abuse. And so we have to take that into account and choose to, with awareness and consciously evolve our level of, of understanding yeah. and our level of emotional intelligence and relational intelligence and the way that the, the coping strategies of how we behave and the only way we're going to do it and it transcends and trickles into every area of life is to actually face it. Yeah. That, that, that's it. It's as simple as that. Well, it's, it's simple in the, in the <laughs> yeah. concept. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but it's also, well, and it's simple in the choice too, because there's so many ways to get the support and help you need, you know, Mm. to unravel. Like you and Mm. I have both invested probably hundreds of thousands of dollars into the help to not only peel the layers of misconformation, I'll I'll call it like where, where it was other people's stories running our lives, right? The pain from others that was put upon us to survive created stories that were never meant for us to carry. It was just our circumstance in that time. And what I loved about becoming an adult was the freedom to freaking choose, you know, because it was something that I had to embrace and say, actually, this doesn't fit anymore. 
the skin that I'm living in of other people's stories doesn't fit. So how do I uh, how do I change the layering? How do I create the layering to be more accepting, more loving, more nurturing, and be able to then exude the energy that I know is my truth, which is a servant heart, without yeah. being abused, right? Yeah. Like without being yeah. taken advantage of. Yeah. And so the reframing is really key to decide which story do you want to choose to live in now and based on each circumstance too, mm. you know? It's, it, I, I love that. And this is what we really need to realize as adults is that we do have that choice. So many of us, like myself, I didn't, I didn't even think of that. I just behaved in a particular way. I didn't question that. That's how I am. I'm just going to wallow in my suffering and I'm going to wallow in my frustrations. I'm going to be reactive. Someone upsets me, I'm going to be reactive or I'm going to internalize it. And that's just how it's going to be. And I'm just going to be with the discomfort of that. And it's like, really, really do we need to be like, we actually have a choice. And you're so right. It's so simple, not only conceptually, but in the choice. The challenge is moving through the choices that we make. And so the reason why the choice appears so difficult is because the body knows that, hey, we're about to go through some shit if we make this choice. So let's deliberate uh, uh, back and forth for years mm-hmm. and not actually make the choice, but pretend we're about to. And Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, like it's the, the, the conscious understanding, but the body movement doesn't happen yet. Yeah. You know, it's like, and it does start with the mind work for sure yeah. to then get the body moving. Or what you went through was, was like body almost like, you, your, your innards were like screaming at you for change and it came out so aggressively that you yes. jumped into physical activity and wanted to fight because of that pain inside, yeah. but didn't yet quite connect to the mind to that pain to say, hey, it can be a different way. You yeah. can actually get the relief you want by hugging people constantly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and great hugger, by the way. I've had the privilege. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I caught myself on that. I yeah, myself me too. Me too. <laughs> me too. Um, I actually have my alter ego, or no, no, I should say my spirit animal is a hug a muffin. <laughs> is what I, is what I call her. Um, <laughs> but what I love is also that you brought up Christine, and if if you're cool with it, I would love yes. to also share where you are right now in relationship status because of you course. shared your intimate moment of an of infidelity and the healing that that started to create for you to the now. And I love to know that you're engaged and Christine is amazing. And, you know, but to share a little bit about how then you started to open up again to find that relational fit between your masculine feminine energy flow and her masculine and energy flow. For for me, and obviously there's a bias here, but every everyone we tell the story to, and I'm so shit at telling the story compared to her (laughs) here. She's so much better at telling the story than me. But of how we met, but essentially, I'll I'll tell it from my my perspective. And what happened was, it was actually another another relationship I had where I broke up in that relationship um, oh three years ago. I'm not too sure, but yeah, yeah, about that. And so. We're in that and I broke up and it was a conscious uncoupling and that was the first solid relationship I had after that one from a few years ago. And I was really in integrity in that relationship and I felt connected in that relationship and I still wasn't completely in my truth though. And not from a place of being deceiving to, towards her, 
place of not knowing myself still, not having a great deal of, there was, we're always going to want to know ourselves. There'll always be levels of knowing ourselves, but the the, the foundation I hadn't quite reached yet. And beyond that, beyond that not knowing, I, I still was, there were still elements of me that were afraid of of express of expression, and I hadn't dealt with those fears around commitment and freedom. And I had, and I hadn't. Like there, there definitely was, um, and there was deeper layers to go. And so the unraveling of that relationship took me down another spiral within self to to get to equate myself with some of these deeper deeper questions around me. And so. It was about 18 months uh, that I said to myself, I'm not going to be with anyone. I just want to, I'm, I'm going to really practice being alone um, with myself and learning more about me. And that was a very difficult part of that. The mo- uh, half of that time was very challenging, more so than the, the first time. Th- this deep dive, this unearthing of self was tremendous. It's, you know, to, to share a little bit about those experiences for me, I have, I, I have had an extreme personality because of my upbringing and because of the way I've chosen to relate to that. And so I usually don't do things in halves. And so I went really, really deep again into this place. And I went into some very dark, dark places uh, of the human psyche and the soul. I, I say places that no human being should go. And if they can go there and pull themselves out, then go there. Because the revelation that I've had from that has been tremendous. Now, I don't believe every human being needs to learn the only way to learn is not, sorry, the way to really grow and expand is not only from pain and suffering. I feel we're at where we are at as a humanity because of this massive shift in polarization and we're, we're redefining masculinity and femininity. Essentially, we're redefining what it means to be a whole human being. There is a, there is a stage or stages of pain and suffering that we will experience. And I think that's part of the human condition. And we can also not bypass that. It's not about bypassing. We can learn to relate to it differently. And, and, and that's, that's what I was learning in that particular instance. And so fast forward, I moved through a lot of that. I, again, had, a, had an amazing mentor that she guided me. She's an older lady. She guided me through, through understanding my own masculine, my own feminine, and where I had behaved in a way that was actually pushing people away, not intentionally, not from a place of deceit, from a place of ignorance. And so bringing that back into self and, and that was very humbling again. And so I've had so many experiences of being humble and being humble, but that's what happens when you're in your ego and when you're stubborn. I was in my ego and I was stubborn. So I needed to be humbled. And God, the universe, our own higher selves has an interesting way of humbling us when we need to. And so I was sitting in, in, a, in a silent practice one day about 18 months after this particular event, this particular breakup, but also just going through so many different iterations of myself again. And I was in this practice and I thought to myself, oh, I'm ready now. I feel like my heart, my body, I'm integrated in, in a place. I'm, I'm ready for love. I'm ready for sacred union. I had very, got much clarity on that. I, I'm ready for a beloved to enter my life. I know in what way I want that to happen. I'm open and I'm ready now. Let me prelude something. I'd, I'd been exploring a lot and from a very young age, from about 16, no surprise, I wanted to escape. Where would I have gone? Because I'm always with myself and never really escaping. I, I figured that there's three ways, three major ways to really expand and evolve and honour our, our, our path as human beings. 
disappear into the mountains and study the mystic ways in as high altitude as possible, become an Eastern mystic essentially, become a nomad, become uh, a hermit, go disappear for 30, 40, 50 years, the rest of my life in the mountains and then connect to God and, and just be in that space to really expand. Get hit by a bolt of night lightning, literally or figuratively, uh, and then that would change my complete internal constitution physiologically and spiritually and I would just expand rapidly. Or go and be in sacred union, whether that's polyamory or monogamy or for me it's one part. So Christina and I, it's, it's one part. It's, it's, it's each other. And, and, and I was more as inclining towards two people and there's reasons for that specific reasons for that, to really accelerate our growth. And the fourth option, I suppose, was just do what I do, but not really, not really have a relationship, but not be safe, not really be sacred, not be deep and not really elevate myself massively. And I thought, so in that moment, in that sitting practice, I thought I'm ready to elevate. I don't want to be outside of this world. I want to make impact in this world. I'm clear on that. And I know how to do it. Well, I'm figuring out the how. I know why I want to be in the world. I don't want to be outside of the world looking in and watching it self-destruct or not being a part of it. I'm here to be human. I don't want to rely on a bolt of lightning. That's, that's not being empowered and that's not taking responsibility and personal power. Sacred union is very appealing. And so I made that decision and literally a few days later, mutual friends introduced us from across the world to about 10,070-something miles away from each other. And so began our beautiful conversations and our connection. Now, her, on the other hand, she'd sort of made that decision like nine years earlier, but she was waiting for me. <laughs> so I was a little bit slow. I'm a little bit slow. But men are a bit slow, you know. They <laughs> sometimes develop slow. Sometimes they're really fast. See, it's interesting. Like, it, I study a lot of Eastern mysticism, and so they're always speaking to, to men and women in different ways. And they'll, they'll, they'll say that sometimes men are slow in their development and so forth, but then once they get the, the, the wisdom of the woman and they fill themselves up, with that, that knowledge and that wisdom, they then accelerate and they become great masters. So um, a little bit slow now, <laughs> but I'm hoping to accelerate a lot faster. Well, I, I also think that things happen when they're meant to, you know, and if it was any sooner, you would have missed each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it really, like it's just all meant to be when it's meant to me. And that's beautiful. And, and so in your relationship now with that sacred union, it, is it, Obviously, you shared an incident even just from this morning, but it it sounds like there's this evolution because when when two come together, right, that's two energy sources, and you're now trying to combine the connection to be consistent over mm. time, right? Mm. Like, and and there's an exchange that happens, you know, daily when when you have a partner in life. Mm. So I'm curious, you know, as you are now coming together, how do you make sure that Truth is constant. Like you both live in in a higher vibration, knowing Christine and her work as well. Just curious then also what advice would you give others that are now starting out feeling like it's the beginning of a of a sacred union, how to keep fueling it so that it continues going forward? So as a side note, I mean I've I've developed so is Christine actually as well. I say this is an interesting thing. We both developed around the same time, um, courses, mine's called Conscious Relating, hers is called something else, but I, and I've developed a 12th principle model around how to consciously relate to self and to others and to those that we that matter most. So there's, there's, there's more than just 12 principles, but let me start with, with um, something first, is we have to have a foundation of self-knowledge, 
which leads to clarity, self-awareness, which leads to clarity. And then from there, we make a, a decision around, a choice around conviction and commitment. And so for me, I'm every day I choose to step into truth with Christine and with myself. And I always, if, if I'm feeling tension or I'm feeling frustration, and I'll give you, I'll give you a perfect example of this. Um, oh, let, me, let me backtrack. So if I'm feeling frustration, I'm feeling tension, I ask myself very clearly, it begins with me, do I want to hold on to this? What does this mean? Do I need to actually even express it to her? Has it got anything to do with her? Is it more a me thing? And if it's a me thing, can I sit with it, be continent with it, not be incontinent with it? And I don't mean like losing the bowel, bowel function. I mean incontinent with our words and our thoughts, but rather let me, my practice as a, as a man has been of late of the last few years to be more continent with myself. And so I want to give careful consideration to what I'm experiencing internally before I go vomit it to the world or give it to the world. And so for me, it's a commitment to truth and then being with that truth that I'm experiencing and making a decision of how, why, when, where do I need to express this to my beloved or not. And, and so that becomes an internal practice. And so an example of this was yesterday. Uh, was it yesterday? Sorry, the day before. The day before having a, a beautiful dinner. She had just finished her speech. We were in Vegas. And, and, I had, and there was something that, was, uh, that had come up and arisen within me. It was, it was a private matter within, within myself that I wanted to. And I'll, and I'll share a little bit of it here now as well. I don't, I don't have a, too much of a problem with that. And I wanted to wait. I didn't want to tell her before her speech. Not that it would upset her, but I didn't want her that weighing on her that I'm going through something that I, I, I'm, I'm a bit stuck with. So it gave me an opportunity to be more inward with it, really get clear on what I wanted to express, what the relevance was to her and what wasn't to her, what I didn't need to tell her because we have to keep things to ourselves as well sometimes, not for everyone to know. And it's not their place to fix us or, or help us. It's, it's sometimes it's, it's just their place to listen or whatever the circumstances are. And so for me, it was, it was an inner construct that as I'm making massive changes and I'm exploring deeper, deeper the, the constructs of masculinity and what it means to be a man and what it means to be a human and, and how I've, I've moved from Australia to here very abruptly and all of that, I was expressing to her that I have some uh, angst and some vulnerability around this and some, con- not confusion, but as I'm going deeper and deeper, it's really challenging some of these norms, these normative ideas that I had around what it means to be a man. And so she did need to hear that because she's my partner. She's my life partner. And so as my fiance, and so we, we, I needed to share that with her so she knows where I'm coming from. If I'm agitated or if I'm frustrated, and I gave her specific examples of, hey, when if you were to say this without you even knowing, it affects me in this way. And so we were able to have that very, very open conversation come back to the truth. If I keep that within me, then I'll unconsciously behave in ways that, that within me is affecting my behavior and she doesn't know anything about it. Now, at least, we have a context and a frame of reference because I've chosen to speak my truth. And so whilst there are a myriad of so many attributes that make what I consider sacred union, then I can define sacred union for you as well. I'll do that in a moment in the most simplest way. We have to keep coming back to our own internal truth. And then choosing to share that and being confident with how we share that, of course, in the relationship because that's honouring the relationship. And so for me, the definition of sacred union, and, and you can apply this to business as well. This is the magic. This is the, this is the magic of, of who we are as human beings is you ask this question first. Am I benefiting 
And am I growing, not benefiting, am I growing and uh, is my partner, or depending on what your disposition is, if you have multiple partners, if you're in non-monogamy, is me and my partner growing because of how I show up in this relationship? Is my part, is, is, and then she asks the same thing, he asks the same thing. Am I, and, and then I ask, are they growing because of how I'm showing up and they're showing up as well? And then the third question, are we, and the same reverse for the other person, are we together impacting and helping those around us, our community, our families, the world grow? as a byproduct of being together consciously. And for me, that defines what sacred union is. That defines what being in in a very uh, open relationship, open not in the sense of sexual partners, open in the sense of the interchange is open and transparent between, it's very reciprocal, it's highly reciprocated between the two people. I'll use a standard heterosexual monogamous um, example. You can replace it with whatever you want. It doesn't really matter. Um, any any type of relationship status. And so that's what defines sacred union for me and always coming back to truth and honesty. Yeah, the, the energy exchange um, in relationships is so pivotal because when we don't communicate what's true to us, it creates amazing blockers. Mm. It creates more tension. Mm. It creates like ill behaviors. And, I and Unknown, unknown. And because, but the truly too, because we all have pain stories, mm. it also puts us back into our comfort zone mm. of what's not enough, you know, yeah. or it doesn't feel right. Like it, it, they become triggers. So to find that dialogue, I mean, my, because you just shared, you know, intimately what's going, how you and Christine build it. Like my husband and I also have had those moments. You know, we go into marriage with the facade of what marriage should be like. And, <laughs> and luckily for me, I was in a previous relationship where I did not walk down the aisle with that person I was engaged to because after the engagement, I chose to do the work to get in touch with me to figure out what does it mean to show up in a marriage in that sacred union, you know? And, and very fortunately, did the work in enough time to not walk down that aisle. Then took also a year of exploration for myself because I had to, I had to connect with what does unconditional love mean to me and am I giving it to myself first? Because I found that it was very easy for me actually in a corporate environment to love unconditionally. And I know that sounds really awkward to the corporate people that might be listening or people who have been in jobs. What do you mean you're bringing love into your work? I honestly would not have the success I had in business if I didn't come with a nurturing energy and figure out that exchange with those who chose to work for me, those who I worked for, and my clients, right? But I was really a great master because I saw that as a service to others as opposed to, well, what... I was doing it because I just wanted that same in return. And that's mm-hmm. that exchange, you know, we're talking about. So I had done the work, found, you know, my now husband, he had done his work. He was in a previous relationship. So very similar in that, you know, the timing was right when we did yeah. align. However, a lot of our old trigger stories showed up. We went through big moves, et cetera. And, and about two, three years ago, we had that realization too, where we had let things fester for too long in our communication that we needed a, a jump start. <laughs> like we needed a new language. We needed to understand that, hey, you know what? We did a lot of individual work, but not necessarily the language of what that sacred union requires to talk about, to create the space and say, 
you know what? You could probably say that a different way to me so that I can understand it and, and like give to you what your needs are right now. Like, and it was an amazing learning. And I love that, that you and Christine put together programs for that understanding because it's so needed. You know, there's a lot of self work going on, but when you take it to that next level of relational work, it does transcend into everything you do. If you, if you truly want to be a part of a, a whole. <laughs> well, we, we, yeah, Christine and I both believe that intimate relationships and sacred union is is one way that the world is going to free itself from its attachment to ignorance and scarcity, and and also separation. And in 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 addition to that, when you do that relational work, and we had both done a ton of individual work, hence how we met and why we met, of course. And then doing that work together. Let me be very clear. Something else that defines sacred union is. And conscious relationships, conscious relationships, it's not, it's not a, a smooth ride. No. <laughs> like our honeymoon period was two to three weeks. Literally, right. <laughs> we went deep. What defines, what defines sacred union, and I, and, I, and I know that you will relate to this, Karina, is that it's how you relate to the triggers that come up. Right. It's not so much that old childhood stuff's coming up. And sometimes we get to a place where that ceases to, absolutely. And, and I'm working through that. And, and, and to be honest, to be really clear, Christine's further on that path than I am. Again, well, well yeah, I'm just a little bit slow. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but how we relate to it is what defines that sacred union. Because I've right. been in situations and relationships where both partners, we're being massively triggered. And let me tell you how I related to it then and how I relate to it now uh, Eons, right. worlds, galaxies, so universes, cosmoses apart, and so that—that's what defines it's how and the willingness. I'll always come back to willingness. Me too. We carry a willingness to be in the relationship, and look, and I and, I, and a commitment. I'm not doing this shit with anyone else because I don't. I'm just gonna just because it gets harder, we and we and we break up, and then we just if we don't address this, whatever it is that's festering, that's causing tension, it's just you're just gonna repeat it. I'm just gonna repeat it again with someone else, with myself. I can. It, this is an opportunity. Yeah. So that's a, that, that acknowledgement and that recognition that that the relationship is an opportunity for for growth and service. That's another d- definitive factor of of. Uh, of sacred union for me. I love it. And I, and it totally relates to even just how I show up in my relationships, but also the learning that I'm continuously in to mm. almost dial up the willingness, you know? Yeah. It, it, oh, yeah. No, no, I was just going to say, when, when you said dial up the willingness, I, I, really, I, I really love that because, the, and again, the, the parallel drawn, like imagine in business, imagine... And your business, your service, whether you're... Christine and I are also very blessed. We have our own individual uh, services and brands and we also come together and we teach together and we're we're just beginning to do more of that and that will expand over the the next years and that's part of our journey together as well. But imagine taking that willingness that you have in your intimate relationship where, where you can be very much challenged because there's so much emotional and spiritual stakes at play and you take that into your business Willingness to go the extra mile in your business, willingness to serve a little bit more, willingness to stay up an extra hour and just complete that program, willingness to, 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 to hire someone when your finances could be tight, but you know they can help, willingness to expose yourself and be more vulnerable, willingness to try something different, willingness to try to, to fire someone and, and hire someone else, willingness, willingness, willingness. And you take that and you bring that element and that notion, that, 
not only that concept, but that that visceral practice of willingness. Willingness for me has been a fucking game changer in every area of my life. Willingness to look at what we we're really scared of. Willingness to say, you know what? I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Willingness to acknowledge I could have done that differently. Willingness to celebrate. So many amazing entrepreneurs, they just keep going on the hamster wheel and they're making lots of money and they're making millions of dollars every month and whatever they do, but they're not acknowledging their wins. And we spoke about this at our mastermind. Like how many of us really acknowledge our wins? Like really, really, like I get a client, whether that, whether that client value is, is it not that I have any client values, it's a dollar, but whether it's a dollar or whether it's a hundred thousand dollars, I celebrate it either by acknowledging it, even just by, by putting words to it and, and saying and telling Christine or a friend or someone that I trust and respect, hey, this is what happened today. Even, even if it's just an acknowledgement, we have to be willing and we're so not willing, soft because we're so happy to be in something you mentioned earlier around being in our comfort zones, what's familiar because it's so safe. And so to get out of that comfort zone, even though it's very natural for human beings to pursue comfort, in this context, getting out of the comfort zone, getting uncomfortable in order to get comfortable. And that's the paradox. When we, when we move through that and we take action on that, it's a game changer. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's also... Um, I think about the shift of language around comfort zone because it's actually a lot of discomfort and what you want to move towards is empowerment. Yes, you know, yes. there's there's the beauty in that, and I, and I truly love the the flow of willingness because I think everyone, if they were to embrace that, it would exponentially grow their life, their business, their relationships, etc. Yeah. I love I love our conversations, Stephanos, because we could go deep and we can go high, and we we're always wow. at a great vibration. And I really just first want to thank you for joining me today. I'm, I think I'm going to have to have you on again for other topic conversations um, because obviously like being in flow with you is just so much fun for me too. You, you made my day. Likewise, everything you just said then as well. I really appreciate it, Karina, so much. I really, I'm so grateful for these kinds of interactions and uh, it means a great deal that you would spend your time here talking together. So thank you. Of course. And before we close out today's conversation, would you let folks know how you'd like them to connect with you? Because I'm sure those listening will have questions, want to understand what you got going on. Yeah, so how absolutely. would you like them to do that? Yeah. So social media, uh, Instagram or Facebook, Stephanos Sifandos or Stephanos Sifandos, however you, whatever, <laughs> however you he's the best. It's a tongue twister, I know, but that's that's sort of what I was giving. It's my, actually my grandfather, my paternal grandfather's name. So it's a very, very important name to me. He was a, he was a beautiful man, he passed away many years ago. He was a beautiful man, um, very kind heart. Uh, and uh, my website, uh, stephsefandos.com or stephanossefandos.com. And for the men out there that you're watching and you want to know, learn more about the men's work that I do, reclaimyourkingdom.com. You can find me there. But all of that's on my website or on my social media. It's all interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure to put it in our show notes for sure yeah. so folks can connect with you. The way I like to close out my show is to ask this one question. Yes. How do you define what a badass is? Willingness. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we'll just end it right there. I appreciate Bye. you so much, Stephanos. Thank Likewise. you for joining me today. Thank you, Corinne. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out 
yourbadassjourney.com or terrinewalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening.